Hello and welcome to the Scarlet Watch, uh, Bewitched by One Division. This is episode eight, as I'm sure you guys all know. This is our One Division after show. There will be spoilers in this show. So if you have not watched episode eight of One Division on Disney Plus yet, please go and do that before you come and watch this because we don't want to ruin it for you. Um, Liz, welcome back. Great to see you as always. Yeah. Um, We've got, as always, a lot of talk, a lot to talk about today because there is uh, so much happening, and yet, weirdly enough, one of the kind of calmer episodes of of uh, the show, in a way. In a way, yeah, yeah, a yeah. little departure from the sort of breakneck pace of the last few episodes. Um, you know, the sh- it, all, all the show titles are always really cool. You know, they're mm. all really like sort of apt as like little, you know. TV references, uh, and this episode was very aptly called "Previously On." So, yes. uh, and it very much is that it's previously on Wanda's life and Agatha's life, and, and, and it's so weird because, it, in a way, uh, just before we get into it, what the show this episode seemed to function as was almost like a bottle episode that was an anti-bottle episode. So instead of showing you a bunch of clips of the shows as we as we'd seen them before, instead we got a bunch of things dipping into Wonder's life. So it's almost kind of like the expensive big budget version of a bottle episode. So I, I really kind of like that, and indeed the constant deconstruction of television um, tropes and conceits that the Wonder Vision is is doing. Um, so I'm kind of really uh, happy with that. And also, I noticed at the beginning of this, they didn't. I did I miss this? There was no snappy credit sequence. Um, no, and it's not even called One Division. This episode, no theme song, nothing yeah. like that. You know, it was a departure from the sitcom. Uh, yeah, completely. yeah, it no. was very much. Uh, you know set during, you know, probably a very brief interaction between Wanda and Agatha. Mm, mm. And, and actually kind of reveals the truth behind a few of the mysteries in the uh, earlier episodes of the show and and giving us a, a kind of honest version of what really happened, um, which is actually very different from what we've been presented before. So, I mean, we'll get into that uh, right away. We're back at the end of episode seven with Agatha having captured Wanda and led her into the basement. We haven't seen what's happened to Monarchy yet, which I was kind of hoping for. But instead, we we kind of begin to to answer some of the questions. Um, Pietro being now, it seems, a product of Agatha's creation. Um, Now... she she seems to have transformed someone else. There's a lot of kind of indication that it might be the rabbit <laughs> that she's kind of made yeah, into. Obviously, obviously, if you know Agatha Harkness from the comics, mm. um, you know, the, the rabbit is not a rabbit. She has a black cat called Ebony. As right. Well. And, you know, we see this rabbit eat a bird um, in this episode. So, you know, you, you might come to the conclusion that uh, now, where Wanda, as Agatha points out near the end of the episode, is a being of spontaneous creation or capable of spontaneous creation, uh, Agatha seems more able to sort of transfigure things. You know, we watch yeah. her with a bug that she transfigures into a bird. Uh, and if we're going to kind of, you know, assume that Senior Scratchy is actually Ebony the cat, um, maybe Pietro is something or somebody else sort of transfigured into uh you know the fake pietro so that's something we have we have yet to really discover <laughs> and also kind of starts to answer the question um as to why he's not the pietro that we remember from age of ultron um you know, which is an interesting conceit and is something we've, we've kind of been thinking about last last couple of weeks or so. I, I just read today, actually, in a, in a quick uh, article that apparently his hairstyle in the Halloween episode was a nod to Wolverine. 
like it was okay. meant to be. I mean, if you look at these really old comics, like, yeah. you know, uh, that is yeah. what the hair looks like. <laughs> you know, like the, the early versions of Quicksilver has that goofy hairstyle. So I didn't read anything about it into like it looking like Logan's hair, even though it kind of does. Because um, it just looks like early goofy Quicksilver hair to me. I, I kind of wondered if it was a bit of a nod to Feige because there is that that story that I absolutely love um, where I think Feige was working for Richard Donner back when, or Lauren Schiller Donner, when, back when the original X-Men movie was being made and he was on the set trying to get the hair up as high as he could on, oh, on, on Wolverine. Really? Yeah. And he, he was just like, no, you've, you've got to make it big. Like it's got to be big. It, you've right. got to do it. <laughs> um, which, which kind of just fits the sort of. Oh uh, yeah. You. I've never heard that story, but it's great. I, you know, not? Oh, right. I, I, think I love that Feige's such a like comics fanboy. Mm. Like he is. And that's, you know, uh, that's, that's always come through in, in the films. Yeah, and, and I mean it, it's a great story and, and one of my favourites. Um, but yeah, back to back to the episode. Uh, Agnes can't quite crack the the mystery of, of Wanda, um, and decides to kind of take her on a journey back through her memories. And before um, we go back on Wanda's journey, I just want to briefly, you know, because yeah, before, before this confrontation uh, yeah. between Wanda and Agatha. Uh, we very briefly get a glimpse of Agatha's past. Yes, sorry. You're absolutely right, we do. Um, which was kind of an, an interesting thing. So it's set in, in your neck of the woods, funnily enough. Mm, yep. Like, Massachusetts, yep. <laughs> um, trials happened. And it's sort of set during that time when the witch trials would be happening. So when you originally see her, being mm. sort of dragged to the stake and everything, you assume that it's it's like, you know, she's about to be put on trial as a witch by the townsfolk, but when in reality, it's her own coven uh, yeah. who are putting her on trial and finding her guilty of, you know, wrongly using her witchcraft. Mm. And, it, and it's an interesting sort of upturn on, on what we're used to seeing in those sort of scenes, because as you point out, usually it is the townsfolk you know, burning a witch at stake or, um, uh, you know, men kind of burning supposed witches at stake. But here we get a group of women kind of completely pushing down on, on, on uh, Agatha. And uh, she she takes, you know, she kind of gets her revenge there. Um, and, and it also, it's an interesting thing for her power set because she... She takes the the power and the life force from all those women, including the most powerful of them, um, and that then kind of leads you to believe that that's maybe what she wants with Wanda, is she wants that power. Oh, um, yeah. I mean, it seems, you know, pretty likely that that is kind of, or at least she wants to know, and she's quite straightforward about saying she at least yeah. wants to know how she did what she did. Mm. You can only assume that, yeah, she probably wants Wanda's power for herself. And, and what's fascinating about it is, I mean, Agatha's power seems to come from witchcraft, which traditionally is an organic thing that's kind of of the earth. You know, it's it, it's got an, an, a natural um, origin, if you like. And... Wonder's power, as we know, or as far as we knew up to up to this episode, was from the uh, mines. Is it the mine stone? The you, you'll have to help me out here. Which stone? Well, yeah, that was the mine stone, but we didn't right. know that up until this episode. But, really. but we knew she was uh, a, a part of the of Strucker's experiments, and they were using they were using the mine stone. So we, we, we yeah, could assume that. You know, it was never really clear mm. whether Wanda had power before, um, you know, with Strucker or not. And in this episode, we definitively find out that she did. Yeah, which is an interesting thing. I mean, um, and especially since the the kind of the stones are cosmic. So that would almost sit at odds with the kind of natural power from the Earth. Um and I 
you know, I wasn't, ex- you know, I wouldn't necessarily expect Agatha to be able to handle Wonder's powers because they are, you know, they're from a, a, a massively powerful source. Um, so, yeah, she starts taking her on this journey then after revealing her own origin into the kind of past of Wonder Maximoff, which we've never seen before. No. It's all new stuff to us. Um, and, and we see the beginnings in, in Sokovia when she's just a young child. And we finally get an answer as to why we've got this sitcom world, which were you kind of expecting that from the beginning? Did you think it would be something? Something like that. Yeah, I kind mm. of did because, you know, obviously she's been retreating into this fantasy, um, you know, this happy little sitcom world. And you know that Wanda grew up in this grim, you know, sort of uh, war-torn country uh and that she had you know kind of a bleak childhood so you know you you would have to assume that somewhere in there you know she would have had a reason to sort of be gravitating toward these sitcoms and stuff and so you know i thought it was a really nice way to explain it that her family would watch these sitcoms together basically to kind of teach the kids english in a fun way also you know to kind of do something as a family um you know, so that was actually a really kind of sweet little explanation for, you know, why she has created this world. Yeah, and it, it kind of totally works on that sort of meta level that the the, the show's been playing with since the beginning. Um, and of course, we see the infamous uh, accident, not accident, the incident, shall we call it, that that kind of ended the parents' life and gave Wanda and Pietro that sort of hatred of Tony Stark. Um, But we're also kind of then, you know, dragged forward to the point where she volunteers for Strucker's experiments. And that, I mean, one, it just goes to show how badly Hydra treated its volunteers. Um, (laughs) <laughs> you think they would have at least given them like nice rooms and yeah, no, it's just a dirty cell watching the Brady Bunch yeah. by yourself. But I was yeah, but I was really surprised not to see Strucker, um, or the the other Doctor from the uh, from Age of Ultron. Like I honestly thought we'd get like a Thomas Kretschmann um, cameo, which I would have loved because I'd love Thomas Kretschmann as an actor; he's, he's terrific. Um, and. You know, we see her first encounter with the stone, with the staff, and we're told that everyone who has um, kind of encountered this stone has, has, you know, not fared well. They've all ended up dead. And also before that, we're not really told how they got out of the situation they're in with the the mortar are we well, like we're, we're kind well, we of know, but we are told that um that like basically wanda you know they were actually safe the whole time because wanda you know uh mm-hmm. used a probability hex without really understanding that she was using her power yeah. she was protecting them from it so they you know they were never really in any danger so they were basically just waiting to be rescued but she you know was all, sort of unknowingly using the power that she already had as a witch mm-hmm. Um, so that is, you You have to assume why she actually was able to come into contact with the Mind Stone and not be killed by it. And also what's fascinating that is, is we see a sort of vision of a, a figure that, that looks a lot like the, the comic version of the Scarlet Witch, yeah, which was I, I thought was great. Really cool, um, yeah. But, you know, you can then start seeing those things implanted in Wanda's mind, you know, that, that like becomes the Halloween costume. But also, the, the only trouble with that was it made, um, and especially when you get towards the end. Actually, we'll, we'll talk about it towards the end. Sorry, I'm gonna I'm gonna skip. Okay. There's 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 something that it kind of uh, did spoil for me a little bit um, in retrospect. But um, and then we jump forward again, and we're given this kind of moment where she has to retrieve or wants to retrieve Vision's body. Oh, um, well, you're skipping a whole scene there, the, uh, which was the I'm scene that sort of set for a civil war between her and the Vision. Right. And uh, sorry, I have to say, guys, 
I'm absolutely exhausted at the moment, so my my brain is going off in all directions. Yeah, so we're going to kind of keep you know, kind of skip through the flashbacks. Mm. Um, you know, that one is is you know worth talking about because it's sort of like the moment when she first really bonds with him, and you know the sort of um, seeds of their sort of love affair. Yeah, you know, and it's really a lovely little moment. You know, um, she's sort of discussing her grief over losing her brother. Um, and, you know, he says something to the effect of, you know, grief is, you know, is really just love, you know, mm. uh, you know, conquering all basically, you know, uh, uh, but, you know, it was, it was just a sweet bonding moment between them that we never got to see during the movie because they kind of had to skip over a whole lot. Yeah. In the and, you know, so for us to really kind of buy their love story and everything, it was a nice moment. Uh, and watching Malcolm at the middle at the same time, you know. <laughs> yeah, and, and of course it, it, it's it's a good moment because it it's teaching Wanda about how to handle grief, and also she's teaching Vision about emotions and comedy and and the way people laugh at will readily laugh at destruction, you know, and, and that that is true. Like people, <laughs> you know. People, Watch someone falling flat on their face for you know, falling off a skateboard, it's great, but you're not necessarily as enthralled by watching someone just skateboard. And it like there is something in that, and I think that says something about you know, when we go off and we watch all these movies and there's a ton of destruction, we would all rather kind of see that in a way. Um, although the Marvel movies are good at kind of countering a lot of that stuff, so. I will say that for him. But, yeah, it's a, it's a lovely moment between the two of them, as you point out. Um, and then we move forward into Wonder and, the, and Vision's body. Now, we, we're we given this event to play out one particular way, or we're given to expect that this will play out one particular way, and it doesn't. Right. You know, so it, it tells us uh, something about Hayward and we yeah. wants everyone to think which is that Wanda stormed in there, stole the Vision's body, and uh, and brought it to the town. Um, and so he, you know, he is obviously lying to, you know, Monica at the very least, and Wu and Darcy um, about what his real intentions for the Vision's body uh, really are, and also using Wanda as a scapegoat which is what probably yeah. why he's so desperate to kill her and take her out before she can say otherwise. And also not only that, in their interplay, that, that, that sort of scene they have together, I got the sense that he was goading her and goading her and go, you know what I mean? Like he was pushing her to kind of be as destructive as possible. Um, and, and even the thing where he shows her the body, like he, he's got to know what that's going to do. And I think that that was, he, he kind of wanted her to make a move there, do you know what I mean? Like, and and like his intentions just aren't beyond what we see at the end of the episode. His intentions really aren't kind of clear, at least to me. Like he's, which still makes me believe that he is someone other than he says he is. Right, very possible. You know, mm. and that's uh, you know, there are some theories about that. We talked about one last week. Uh, yeah. But are you thinking maybe a different character now that he could be? I don't know, you know. <laughs> um, there's a wonderful meme going around at the moment, which is uh, images of Leonardo DiCaprio from uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood pointing at a, a TV screen. And in every one of those pictures, it just says Mephisto, Mephisto, Mephisto. And it's like pictures of, of like <laughs> all these different characters. And it's, and I, I know, I know. Yeah, kind of... that is, you know, uh, if there's no Mephisto at the end of this, this is going to be like, you know, everybody's got it wrong. Um, but but yeah, right. yeah, because, you know, I'm thoughts that are going through my mind too. It's like, okay, well, you know, so Pietro. You know, is he yeah. Hayward? Is he Mephisto? Right. Is he Mephisto? Uh, I mean, you know, uh, if there's no Mephisto, I'm 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 gonna you know feel really let down by myself. Um, but 
also with that, I mean, I've I've heard some some crazy crazy things like um, people are positing that uh, Pacino, Al Pacino, might turn up as Mephisto, and this seems to be based entirely on the fact that Al Pacino played the devil once, and that he he's actually said publicly that he'd love to do a Marvel movie. And right. it's like, yeah, but I'm yeah, not really sure what the casting really. Yeah. I mean, you know, wishful thinking. But I'm not sure really what the point would be of someone having of you know all due respect, great actor, but of Al Pacino's age, pop up yeah, as a yeah. major. Probably too old to you know be hopping on board as Mephisto. Like, sorry, yeah. I, you know, you're great, I love you, but you know. Hmm. So I don't, I don't really oh, see him doing a nine picture deal like Chris. Oh. <laughs> You know, um, you know, like props, guys. You know, uh, he's a good actor. You know, back in the day, probably could have worked out. <laughs> oh, I, I really do. I haven't even thought about who I would fan cast as Mephisto, like you know, actor wise. I kind of hope it's it's Emma Caulfield because, as I said last week, I think it would be an absolute waste of Emma Caulfield to have her turn up and do you know, 10 lines. I know, over. yeah, I agree. And, like, you know, we've still never kind of gotten any resolution on her character. Um, but in a way, that kind of would be typical of a red herring, which is, you know, cast someone that's kind of, you no. know, real kind of geek, um, dream casting, and, and like, then get her in there for a couple yeah. of lines. Yeah, and then off. Um and it wouldn't be the first time they've done it, you know. So I, I – and, and also with Marvel, like, no character goes without their moment. Do you know what I mean? Like, there's no telling that in four years' time, Emma Caulfield couldn't be back in something else. Right, exactly. Being, you know. Um, but, yeah, I mean, this moment goes down completely differently. Wanda doesn't steal the body. She – you know she's upset sure but she she kind of heads away but and also i found i found haywood's kind of character particularly cruel in that scene like just particularly oh, yeah very very super mean um and it's what kind of pushes her right over the edge mm. and she heads off to to or she gets a note doesn't she which seems to be vision's living will well it's like the deed to uh yeah the deed of the property. Yeah. Which is a, and, sorry. And, and and the thing he says there is, is you know, grow old here. Mm-hmm. Which is, I, I, I kind of, I, I really liked. Yeah. Um, it says to grow old in and it's got a heart yeah. and it says V and, you know, it's uh, it's right over the, you know, sort of basically, you know, um, empty property that she ends up creating the house in. Mm. And in a, in a run-down town as well. Like, you, you forget how, like, you kind of expected Westview to be, like, a more prosperous place originally. Um, but instead, what you get is uh, this very dilapidated town. You know, people are obviously out of work. Businesses are closing down. And that all speaks to me kind of of, of a theme of kind of resurrection, which is, is obviously running throughout the show. Um and we see Wanda kind of have a moment. She has a breakdown. We're not. It's not revealed whether or not um, Agatha was already there, though. No, <clears throat> no. Um, and mm. like, yeah, I, I, there's still a few things that you know kind of niggle with Agatha and how she became involved. Yeah, as Wanda goes there, you know she uh, she has the deed from the Vision. Um, but, uh, was that, we, we never see him give that to her. Um, was it given to her by somebody else? Was she sent there by somebody else? We're still, you know, that's still not clear. Um, was Agatha somehow, you know, sort of, did she point Wanda in the direction of the town? Is she the one who gave her the deed? Um, or could it have been somebody else? Was it just coincidence that she wound up there and Agatha happened upon her or had Agatha kind of had her eye on Wanda anyway? Yeah. Um, 
And, and actually, we'll do, uh, if we've got time, we'll do a quick rundown of the sort of unanswered questions that we've still got left before episode nine hits next week. Um, and, you know, all, all through this, what's interesting is, is although initially Agatha stops Wanda from sort of performing any magic or powering up or anything like that, she now seems to have kind of stepped back and let her kind of go free in a way. Um, you know, we see Wanda's take initial takeover of the town where she transforms it into the, the sort of 1950s. Oh, the, the obviously most fascinating thing about that, oh, my God, is that Wanda creates vision. Yes, well, that's that was a huge question answered. So she not only doesn't steal the vision's body, yeah. but she creates her own vision, um, you know, for the town. You know, so uh, the reason that vision every time he tries to leave the hex uh, starts to come apart is because he is created and exists within the hex, mm. probably the same as her children, you would have to assume. So they probably can only exist inside the hex, you know, inside the hex. And that's why Wanda is so protective of the hex. Yeah. Yeah. So subconsciously she knows that, that that's going to happen if she, she goes outside. And, and of course, all the, all the time she's asking for Tommy and Billy. Um, we don't know where they are, or what's happened to them. We do hear them kind of crying off in the background, which is, it's, it must be weird because, by now, we kind of know as an audience that they've got to be completely artificial. That they're, you know, they're not real. So it's it's just like I wonder if that emotional attachment on the part of the audience stays. Like, do we still care if they're kind of, you know, um, uh, kind of all right or not? Because I mean, and that's very keeping in you know in the existence of the kids in the comics, really. Mm. You know, they were kind of artificially created, I guess you could say, you know, you know, from magic to begin with. Um, and, you know, basically when, when you know, the magic is taken away, they cease to exist. Mm. Um, so, you know, but Wanda's attachment to them is no less real than if they were just, you know, born in the traditional sense and you know like they are her children as far as she is concerned and you know she would do anything to protect them yeah and it, it's kind of a strange thing though because surely she kind of must be i, I mean i don't know i i just i'll be interested to see how they're, they're gonna carry forward their story if at all kind of post this well i mean again in keeping with the comics they definitely do continue their story and to me i you know there's no way they're just gonna like leave those kids i mean you know we'll we'll save this for another time yes when they do a young avengers movie but uh i I don't think the last of those kids this is the show that committed the cardinal sin and killed the dog so like nothing would surprise me at this point um but, you know, when we get to the end of this episode, or at least the, the sort of what we think is going to be some kind of showdown between Agatha and, and and Wanda, we don't get that. What Agatha seems to be doing, to my mind, is trying to a- align Wanda with the, the kind of true power behind her. And she calls her the Scarlet Witch. Um, yeah, and, and that's the first time we get to hear that. Yeah. Uh, which was pretty cool here's the problem for me that that created was it makes that that moment um you know and it was a clunky moment to be honest way back in like episode four or five when they're all in the tent the sword tent and they're having the briefing about wonder and her past and Haywood goes oh doesn't she have one of those kind of superhero nicknames and it was just like that that actually makes that moment really kind of clunky because it feels like oh we're just dropping that in here so we can drop that later on here and, and it, it's just like yeah that's that's really like as soon as she said it i was like woo, like you know, <laughs> this stuff like you know i was just like oh yeah scarlet witch great um you know so yeah no didn't bother me at all um 
Yeah. Given the the MCU history, I, I kind of don't need them to have their superhero names. Whatever. I've got so used to calling her Wanda now. That's fine. But, you know, um, now she's got her proper superhero moniker. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I could have done without it, but it, it I, I did kind of like it. And I'll be interested to find out if they, if somehow the name the Scarlet Witch is something that comes from a sort of mythological place within the context of of Agatha's story. You know, because they, there is a lot of kind of color coding that goes on. Like Alec, um, Agatha's colors are all kind of this sort of purple. Rich purple yeah, which reminds me a lot of like Black Panther and the vibranium and stuff like that. So again, I'd be interested to see if there's any connection there. Um, but and of course, which would then connect uh, her powers to a more cosmic origin and blah 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 blah. I don't know. You know, my mind's going off on this. So um, I'd be curious to see see what happens. Um, and we're kind of left hanging there because we, we then jump to the credits. Now, I was expecting a bit more out of this this episode. There were rumours that we were going to get, like, the final three episodes would be something like an hour long each. I'm glad we didn't get that. Um, but we're then into a, a sort of mid-credits teaser uh, where we see what happened really to the vision's body now this does have some comics history yeah um which do, do you know the uh, so, like i mean uh, the in a nutshell um there has been like you know in um in the west coast avengers there was a storyline in which mm. we got like a a white vision you know, so as you can see, like all the color's been stripped away from him. Um, and, uh, you know, in that comic, like, you know, not only, so he, you know, basically he was like, you know, sort of uh, dismantled, brought offline and put back together again. And the sort of new configuration of the vision, you know, came back with all of Vision's powers, but none of his memories or humanity. So right. this like emotionless robot basically uh, who didn't remember Wanda, didn't remember their kids and was basically just like a shell um, of, you know, of the vision, but with all the power. Right. So it seems that what they've brought back, what Hayward has brought back is that. Um, so, uh, so you would kind of have to, theorize that in the next episode if there's going to be some big showdown uh it seems very likely there's going to be like a vision versus vision mm. kind of showdown or at least that's what i'm hoping for but, but also yeah i mean that that could be that could be fascinating um or wonder versus vision or i don't know it, i mean but what it seems to say start to say to me now is that in a way there is no big bad which i, I think uh, Dan Bussey kind of pointed out last week when we were talking about the kind of uh, viewers' comments um, that there is no big bad as such. It, it's just a bunch of people with these agendas that don't necessarily coalesce, but there's no real kind of grand evil at work. Right, you know, like Mephisto, you know, everyone's yeah. still like... <laughs> <laughs> but... Liz, like, tell me the truth. Tell me the truth. Are you Mephisto? <laughs> like you could just, just tell me now. We've got one episode to go. I'll never tell. Yeah. <laughs> but um, if you would like to give me your soul, yeah, I could probably work I something out. That over years ago when we started doing podcasts, Liz. <laughs> um, maybe that was just a down payment. Mm -hmm. Now. Uh, yeah, but I, I just now wonder if it is going to be a bunch of people with these these different kind of agendas that aren't necessarily uh, all good, um, but aren't necessarily evil. Which is it's a kind of thing I, I found with with Marvel's bad guys is they're very good at kind of 
contextualize them on an emotional level where they kind of go, oh yeah, you know, they're bad, but they're not, are they really bad? <laughs> well, no, because they've got this point of view and, and, it, and it's just like, <laughs> there's very few true um, hardcore proper villains in, in Marvel. And, and of course, would it make for good entertainment if there were? I'm not so sure. I mean, because we, these days we want our villains to be more nuanced. Yeah, complicated. Yeah. You know, you want to, mm. you, you know, you want to feel like you understand why they're doing what they're doing. Um, you know, so I just, I just really want one of the bad guys just once to turn around and go. Oh, I just wanted the money. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I just really needed the cash. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you know, that's uh, plenty of time for that, Paul. I mean, you know, we've only got about eight million Marvel movies to go, and I'm there for all of them. So I'm having I'm having a pool put in next week, and uh, I just I really you know I want it to be an indoor pool rather than outdoor one. So I just really needed the money, um, but yeah, I don't know what what we're going to get even like looking ahead to to um uh, falcon and winter soldier you know zemo seems to have a very kind of now interesting worldview uh which i don't know if you've seen any more of the like they keep like dropping clips like, oh right. yeah yeah i mean you know uh yeah. yeah i mean i thought zemo zemo is one of the best Oh yeah, his villains i think you know uh and like he's got really understandable motives and, and actually someone you felt genuine remorse for mm -hmm, like right. really did really did feel yeah, and I'm so excited they brought him back like i you mm -hmm. know i couldn't be more thrilled uh that they're bringing him back for this show in particular but we'll talk about that when we get to that show yeah. you yeah. know um so yeah i i mean i i don't know what's going to happen it's kind of still all up in the air and you know i i my 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 metaphysical hat gets doffed at the um, the writers and creators of this show for keeping it uh, mysterious. Yeah, right to the end. Right to the very end. And I am so excited to see the final episode. I do have a couple of things from um, our uh, viewers. Dan Bussey, who um, has messaged in again. Um, just about the most recent episode. Um, he feels that Agatha wants a partner in crime. Um, oh no, sorry, that was sorry, that was me talking back to Dan. <laughs> sorry. Uh, so, as he said, uh, there, there is. He thinks there is no real big bad. Um, Hayward is looking like the antagonist, but he kind of only seems to be the antagonist down to opportunity in terms of creating that sentient weapon. Um, and Agatha does just seem curious. He's also said that he's heard that Dick Van Dyke might pop up in the next episode. Wow. So, Liz, could Dick Van, Dick Van Dyke be Mephisto? <laughs> Dick Van Dyke could be Mephisto. <laughs> Talk it about casting incredibly old. <laughs> could be the bunny rabbit. Could be Dick Van Dyke. Could um, be anyone. Anyone who's listening, uh, watching now, please drop in the comments who you think Mephisto might be. Uh, the wilder your theory, the more we want to hear it, and we will definitely be talking about it next week. Um, yeah, and of course, I also heard from uh, a mutual friend of ours, uh, Derek, who we used to work with at uh, Orbital, um, who said that he thinks it's, it's not really a theory about the show and the storyline of the show as such, but what he thinks the aftermath of the show will be. Now, he feels that because we're, we're kind of in New Jersey, um, that the hex might actually give rise to uh, giving Kamala Khan her powers for Miss Marvel, which we know is a show that's coming and has been cast and they are filming now. So it could indeed turn out to be that. And actually that that's a fascinating thing. Yeah. That would be a really cool yeah. way to see her get her powers. Cause obviously they bend the rules, um, you know, 
with uh, with the cinematic universe. I mean, even, you know, I mean, this episode being a prime example of how much they changed, uh, you know, Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver's origin, you know, with yeah. the characters and everything like that. Uh, so if they want to, you know, make the hex directly responsible for Kamala to get her powers, that would, you know, that would be like a cool little tweak. And that would be a really neat, uh, you know, a neat way of explaining something that we know is going to happen. So uh, I like it. I, you know, that, that is very cool. And, uh, and yeah, I, I would like to see after effects of the hex, um, you know, uh, and, and of WandaVision, we already know there could be some, stuff with the multiverse that ripples out of this, but something as small as like, oh, okay. And then also this, you know, teenage girl in her Jersey all of a sudden gets some powers. Yeah. Like it, it, it could just as be that because you, we, we don't know how wide, you know, we've seen the hex go in one direction, ex, you know, expansion wise. We haven't seen what happens on the other side of town when it does that necessarily. So that might be, um, something we can pick up on um and of course agatha is still kind of completely mystified as to how wanda has managed to um control such a large area given her power set so that that's fascinating that still needs answering so so the questions i think that still need answering uh who is that goddamn aerospace engineer <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Hold your breath for that one. I mean, yeah. Yeah. who is the goddamn witness protection person they were looking for in the first place? I um, could not um, say. I'm beginning to wonder if the witness protection person they were looking for was Wanda, in a way, like yeah, like you know, it, it, I think that there, there's every chance that Hayward might have been misleading them because isn't he the yeah. one or? Well, I'm not even sure if it was. Like, he's the one who told Monica that there was a witness protection sure. you know, uh, person that they needed to sort of go in and find. But um, but I don't know, because it sort of came from Wu as well, didn't it? Yeah. Um, so, I mean, you know, and, and like, I, you know, I'm still um, unsettled by the fact that when they were, like, you know, sort of, drawing up the pictures of all the people in the town and their real identities. We still never saw Dottie. So True. I'm still not giving up on Dottie. Yeah. You know, so there, there, something there's another there. question. Who is Mephisto? So that's still up in the air. Um, who is Mephisto? Pietro, like, we have not seen what yeah. happened, you know, like, where we left off with Pietro and Monica. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we... we they were sort of convening at the back of uh, Agatha's house. Um, so, you know, I don't know if there's already been some kind of showdown between them, but we still don't really have firm answers about who Pietro really is. Really, yeah. I, and um, so Monica and Pietro, uh, aerospace guy, um, witness protection guy, Dottie, is... Who is Mephisto and is Mephisto in the show? That's why. Is ever going to be a Mephisto? <laughs> oh, is Liz Mephisto? That's another one we might get an answer to next week. Um, <laughs> yeah, there's, so there's still a bunch of stuff. You know, what is Haywood's grand plan in the end? Is Haywood Ultron? That's the one I want to I, I am so desperate for Ultron to come back. <laughs> Hey, you know, I mean, it's it's reasonable to assume that there could be a reemergence of Ultron. I mean, it's pretty hard to kill. Definitely, definitely. But I mean, like, I'm just, you know, someone was saying they can't remember the last time they're this excited for a bit of television, and it, it was just like, yeah, I, I, I'm completely down with that. I'm, mm -hmm. I'm really. I mean, would White Vision be Ultron? Yeah. Oh yeah, okay. You know, I mean. Brought him back. He yeah. was part of him to begin with. That's interesting. Or it would be good if, at the end, you know, White Vision, like somehow, whatever battle uh, White Vision gets himself into, whether it's with Wonder or Agatha or, or with anyone, or Wonder's version of the Vision, then somehow jogs the Ultron programming, you know, to the surface. Uh, that might be that might be kind of interesting. Um, 
Who knows? Who knows? It, it's been exciting kind of eight weeks. Speculation. Of... <laughs> yeah. It's really good. It's good fun. And I hope you guys uh, watching will and listening indeed uh, to, you know, to the podcast guys, you'll kind of drop us a line and, and let us know what you think it's going to be by the end. Um because I'm I'm just kind of really excited to find out now. You you've got a week, you've got six days really, guys, to, to come come at us with some answers before the, the show drops on Friday. Um so you know, get get some answers to us by midnight Thursday. We'll see. Yeah, we'll, see yeah, we'll, we'll read about you know. <laughs> <laughs> um we'll probably have to do it before we start the episode properly because by then we'll actually have the answers, but yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm really hoping that, that you guys will, will kind of engage with this and, and give us a shout. I'm I'm really grateful for the messages I've got from listeners and, and new viewers and things who have kind of picked up on, on the new video shows. Thank you very much for doing that. And we've got a couple of new patrons. Um, so I, I really want to say hello to you guys. Thank you for, for becoming patrons of the Comic Rush. It is one of the ways that we're able to keep doing this stuff. We'd love some more people to join you um, uh, so we can expand and do more and more things uh, because we're really enjoying doing this and the articles and the website and all of that. Um, but, you know, you're all part of it. Please, you know, talk to me. Give give me some uh, ideas of what you want to see and uh, what would you like to see Liz and I or, or myself and Nikki or myself and Keith uh, tackle next. Speaking of video shows we've got a brand new video show uh on this very channel right now um it's called the comic touch and that is myself and Gemma Hartshorn who works at Traveling Man in York just kind of doing a quick chat about comics just the comics that, that Gemma's taking a look at and the comics that I'm taking a look at um at the moment so the first episode is up now sorry there were a few sound issues which we should get fixed for next week but um yeah give that a look let me know what you think of that show uh let's know what you think of the comics please be nice with your comments um try and hold back from <laughs> from any vitriol um but yeah let's know if you pick up any of the comics that we talk about and, and what you thought of them um but we're going to do that for a few weeks and see how that goes so uh Gemma's very kindly given up a bit of her time to to come and do that and uh it's really nice to have her on the team Tomorrow, there should be some brand new stuff going into the web store. So you can actually pick some comics up from, from us. Um, yeah, you know, take a look tomorrow. Should be some great stuff going in. Should be in by the afternoon, by however long it takes me to get them all logged on. But there's some, some great comics coming up. I've got a great big pile of comics to put in the web store here. Uh, do think about joining the Patreon, which is up there at the top. And there is a link down below. You can follow Liz on Twitter. There's a link for that down below. You can follow me on Twitter. There's a link for that. Follow the Comic Crush. Go to the website. Take a look at the stuff. Obviously, we just dropped the uh, bit of, big bit of news, which is J.J. Abrams and Tanahisi Coates working on a Superman movie, a new Superman movie. I'm quite excited to see that. Liz, I'm really curious to see what that combination of creators does. Oh, yeah, it is. It is. I mean, you know, both of these guys are uh, are big sort of geeks. They, you know, love the comic. Mm. They, you know, obviously love the character. Uh, and I'm very curious to see what their collaboration is going to produce. Yeah, I, like I, I'm, I'm really, really like kind of. I'm, I'm kind of endlessly fascinated by these, these these kind of collaborations that are coming now. J.J. Abrams has actually written comics. Uh, he wrote a Spider-Man series called Bloodline last year. It kind of got delayed by COVID and a few other things. Um, but that was five issues last year, I think, or the year before, which he wrote with his son. Um, the, the, you know, a lot of vitriol gets thrown J.J. Abrams' way because, you know, how dare he help his kid write comics. Uh, but uh, <laughs> I, 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 think I liked it. Yeah. it the, the, like, some of the stuff that came out of that was insane, um, and, and also a lot of vitriol because you know a lot of Marvel, a lot of comics writers seem to think that JJ Abrams was taking a job away from them. I got some news for you guys. He probably isn't. <laughs> but, 
I do like Abrams, um, you know, uh, and I, I think uh, he's, he's very good at uh, sort of, you know, uh, creating a world uh, that's interesting that, you know, kind of has its own, you know, uh, conceits and what have you. Mm. Um, so, you know, I expect from him, um, you know, a really kind of big, fun uh, action movie if we're going to have a first Superman movie coming from him. Yeah. And something, you know, something that he kind of puts his little stamp on. He's very good at, you know, creating, you know, sort of mysteries and, you know, uh, a good jumping on point for um, hopefully what's going to be more than one Superman movie. Sure. And I, I think that, I mean, I, I don't know enough about Tanahisi Coates' work. I've not read his novels and I haven't read too many of his comics, unfortunately, because as I've stated many times, I'm not really a big Marvel reader. At some point, I'm sure I will get to them. Um, but all the feedback I've got from people who've read his comics are that they're great. And yeah, I've read, I've read a bunch of Black Panther, and it was really good, you know. Yeah. Uh, I haven't read his cap. Uh, he's been writing right. for a while, and I haven't read that. So uh, I would like to brush up on it and, you know, because uh, I do, you know, I love my cap. I love my cap comics, but, uh, you know, can't read everything all the time. Uh, yeah. So there'll be one day where I binge it all. So, um, uh, yeah, uh, I I was happy to see his name involved. I think that's, you know, he's he's like a, he's got a solid geeky background. Uh, you know, he's a good writer. Uh, so I want to, you know, I want to see what that collaboration generates. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm really, really kind of curious to see what they do. I think Abrams is very good at taking something old and making it new again and reinterpreting, you know, he kind of did it with Star Wars. He did it with Star Trek. He's done it with genres like the monster movie, like Cloverfield and things like that. Although, you know, obviously he, he didn't direct all those projects. Um, for me, he started the journey of making the Mission Impossible films. My favorite goddamn film fran franchise, you know, in years. Uh, and I, you know, all respect to the MCU, but the, the the films I really do get excited about these days, and the most excited about are, you know, the Mission the Impossible. Last couple movie. of Mission Impossible movies have been like, you know, amazing. Mm -hmm. uh, particularly, I think like the last two were just really, really. Yeah. Good. And I know he's involved as a producer then, but but Mission Impossible Three, I absolutely loved. Um, I know there's going to be a lot of vitriol about that, like a lot of people didn't. But anyway, we'll wait and see what comes. We have gone way over the time. I know, yeah. Time. Sorry, guys. Lots to talk about this week. Um, but we'll see you all next week for the final episode. And we'll have a little surprise about another thing that's coming just after the final episode, uh, hopefully for you next week. So do stay tuned. We'll see you all again. Catch you next time on The Crush. Liz, goodbye. Thank you very Bye. much for, uh, for dropping by once again and doing this. It's been a ride. We'll see what happens next week. <laughs> Liz is Mephisto. Remember, I said it. She's Mephisto. <laughs> Catch you later, guys. Bye-bye.